Welcome to Dig Deep. Today we are in our fourth and final episode of our series, Taming the Beast. And in this series, we have looked at how, much like forest fires or a wild animal, our language, our communication, our voice can cause damage to the relationships in our lives, damage that that hurts us, hurts others. Sometimes it seems completely irreparable and we find ourselves stuck. And so we are concluding the series today by talking about those situations that we can so easily end up in where we have bad blood. Where there used to be mad love, as Taylor Swift says, now we've got bad blood. And I found myself in a small version of this situation recently in a customer service experience. And it ended with those horrible words that so many of us have spoken, can I speak to your manager, please? Which was met with the unfortunate response of, I am the manager. And it only went downhill from there. This interaction ended with smoke actually coming out of my ears and me storming out into the parking lot thinking, I really hope that nobody I know saw me in that interaction. To back up the way this whole thing started, earlier that week, I had made a purchase at this store. And part of why I was making this purchase is because they were advertising a special discount on certain items. Well, when I got up to the cashier, the coupon wasn't working. And the cashier said, we've had this problem with some customers today. I'm not sure why it's not working. You can just take your receipt right over to customer service and they'll be able to fix it for you. Well, I glanced over to the customer service line, which was extremely long. And I said, I'm running short on time today. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. You can come back anytime. Just bring in your receipt and they will fix it for you. And I said, okay, great. No problem. So I completed the purchase, went home. I went back a few days later when my in-laws were in town and my mother-in-law and I were enjoying a nice day out doing some shopping and I decided to take care of this at that time. So we went into the store and stood in the customer service line and I, when I went up to the counter at my turn, I smiled and the customer service rep smiled back at me and I said, how are you today? And she said, good. And I gave her my receipt and I explained the situation. Well, she looked at the receipt, puzzled, and then looked back at me and said, I'm sorry, but I can't do that. That sale's over now. And I didn't appreciate her tone or her attitude. And I said, well, I, I understand that the sale's not going on any longer, but if you look at the date on the receipt, the sale was going on the other day and they said I could come back anytime and, and the reimbursement could be handled. And she said, well, I'm sorry, whoever told you that must have been misinformed because we cannot do that. At this point is when I said, oh, um, is there a manager I could speak to? And she said, I am the manager. Well, we went back and forth a few more rounds. My mother-in-law, who's one of the sweetest humans in the world, was standing behind me just saying, well, it's okay, sweetie, maybe we can come back a different day. Or is there anything I can do to help with the situation? And really what I wanted from her was to stand behind me and say, oh, no, she did not just say that. Ooh, like I wanted her to hype it up a little bit and put some momentum on my side. But instead, she, of course, in her sweetness, was just trying to diffuse the situation. Well, I escalated to the point where I said, is there just anyone else that I can speak to about this issue? And at this point, my voice was a little bit raised. My temperature was rising. And she gave me quite the look and said, yeah, I'll be right back. She left and was gone for a while. And when she came back, she had two other customer service reps with her who all had a, a smirk 
type expression on their face as though they were getting ready to go to war with me. Well, I dug my heels in and went to war with them and it did not go my way. It ended with them ultimately saying, we can do this return for you. We can give you the credit back, but we need you to bring all of the items in with their tags along with your receipt for us to give you the discount that you're looking for. I thought that was completely ridiculous. I didn't understand why that would be necessary, but I said, fine, maybe I'll come back a different day. Thanks. And stormed out of the store feeling a little bit embarrassed, but mostly just furious. Well, when I went back a few days later, I was amazed just driving back to the store at how fast my heart started beating, how quickly my blood started pumping through my veins. And I resolved myself to go into that store and say, look, here's the situation. If you can't fix this for me today, I'm just going to return all these items and you are not going to see me back in the store for a long time, if ever again. I was so upset. I had such bad blood, not just with that one customer service representative, but with the whole company that I was ready to vow that I would never shop there again. Well, I stood in line and I'm a little embarrassed to say that my heart was pounding. And when I went up, it was a different customer service representative. And I tried to smile nicely and I pulled out the receipt along with the bag of all the items. And I explained the situation I was in the other day, yada, yada. And this girl sweetly looked at me and looked at the bag kind of confused and said, oh, well, you, you didn't need to bring all the items in. All I need is the receipt. And she quickly scanned the receipt, put in the coupon code, reimbursed me, and I walked out all in about 60 seconds. And I reflected on this on the way home because, of course, my blood pressure lowered and I felt put at ease and my faith in this retailer was restored. And I thought how ridiculous that I was ready to vow that I would never shop here again when it was clearly just a misunderstanding with this one person. I had gone so quickly to a place place of bad blood. All it took was a couple smirks, a couple misplaced words, basically a huge misunderstanding, and I had bad blood. And the sad thing is that probably most of us have had that kind of experience in a customer service situation that can be incredibly frustrating and leave us furious But what's far more sad is that this happens in all areas of our relationships. This happens in our marriages, our friendships. This happens in our churches and in our neighborhoods. And it doesn't just end with storming out of a store. It can end with us unfriending someone on social media. We won't take that person's calls anymore. We avoid so-and-so at the office. We sleep on the couch. I've known people who have put their house on the market and moved away because of a series of petty conflicts with a neighbor. And I have close family members who haven't spoken to other family members in decades, in decades. We've got bad blood. Romans 12, 18 in the Bible gives us these tough words. If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I often gravitate toward those first few words, if it is possible. And I I, I say, yeah, well, that's why he says, if it's possible, is so often it's not possible. I feel like people are impossible. Sometimes these relationships seem completely unfixable. The problem seems totally 
unsolvable. And the picture that comes to mind for me is trench warfare. What starts as a little conflict starts to create distance between two people or two groups of people. And that distance grows as the conflict grows and becomes becomes more and more complicated. And eventually, each party digs a trench, partly to protect themselves from this person who has become their enemy, and partly to prepare themselves for battle if the need arises for them to attack. And as I pictured this trench warfare image, I thought about this verse, Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And so much of this goes back to what we talked about last week. When we find ourselves misunderstanding someone or in a conflict with someone, our goal needs to be to find mutual purpose, to find common ground. And after last week's episode, my mom shared a video with me that she had seen um, that's referred to as the DNA journey. And this group of DNA researchers brought together a, a widely diverse group of people and talked with them about their heritage, about their background. And these are people from all over the world who are incredibly proud of their heritage. And so they shared that they were proud that they were 100% British or Kurdish or Turkish. And when they asked them, are there any cultures or countries that you struggle to have affection for, that you places that you would not ever want to visit, people that you would not particularly want to be in relationships with, they got some honest answers from people. One Kurdish young lady who said that she struggles with her feelings toward the Turkish, and a British gentleman who said he hates the Germans. Well, they had all of these individuals take a DNA test, and they brought them back together again weeks later and gave them their results. And they gave them their results in front of the rest of the group. And the whole video ends with most people in laughter or in tears, in complete disbelief at their results, when they realize that the cultures that they have the most disdain for often show up on their own cultural heritage, that they have ancestors with the same blood as the people that are their enemies. The one most poignant moment for me is when the British gentleman who said he despised Germans discovers that he's 31% British and 25% German. And he laughs at the incredible perspective that he's gained. Other people were brought to tears and hugging each other, hugging people from these other cultural backgrounds. They found common ground that they didn't know they had. And so often for us in our relationships, that's what we strive for, as we talked about last week. And today, I want to look at two verses from Scripture. They're commands from Jesus about our relationships that I think will give us some insight into one of the greatest steps we can take in taming the beast of our communication. And so first, I want to look at Matthew 5, verses 23 to 24. Jesus says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And what's amazing about this passage is that God is saying here that our human relationships are so important to him that he would encourage us to leave our gift at the altar 
to wait on worshiping him in order to go and be reconciled to someone with whom we have a broken relationship. That's how important our human relationships are to God. And Jesus says in Matthew 18, If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. And so in this first passage, we're given a picture of remembering that someone has something against you. You've wronged someone and you realize, I I wronged someone, I need to go make it right. And in the other situation, it's when we've been wronged. We can't stop thinking about the fact that this person has wronged us. And in both situations, there's a key word, and I don't know if you caught it when I was reading him, but the word that appears in both of them is go. We're commanded to go. If someone has hurt and offended you, go to them. If you've hurt and offended someone, go to them. And both passages paint the picture of reconciliation, of a relationship that is reunited and made whole again. And it starts with us going. One of the best ways I've heard this described is to take the long walk of empathy, the long walk of empathy. And in this picture of trench warfare, where we get so dug into our point of view, our perspective, where we're so on guard because of how that person hurt us, it becomes harder and harder for us to take the long walk of empathy, which is just that, where we get up out of our trench, walk to the other person's vantage point, and try to see the situation from their perspective. And the reason it's called the long walk of empathy is because it's a long walk. This is an incredibly difficult step, but it's what Jesus has called us to do, to go to them, to not dig our heels in with our stance and make them our enemy, but to ask, what do things look like from the other side? What do I look like from the other side? What do my words and actions communicate to the person I'm in this disagreement with? And it's that long walk of empathy that prepares us for what I believe is one of the most important steps we can take in taming the beast. And that is to learn how to apologize well. And I know that this is not a popular subject. In fact, in our first year of marriage, we got into a fight and I felt bad at the end. And so I said that I was sorry. I apologized. And there was a long silence. And after a little while, my husband gently said to me, you know, you're not very good at apologizing, Jess. To which I said, excuse me? That is completely rude. I just apologized to you. You haven't even forgiven me yet, and you're criticizing my apology. But with time and with a lot of conversation, I came to see that he was right. I was not good at apologizing. And now, 11 years into marriage, we have developed some skills that help us apologize to each other. And this has not just helped me in my marriage, but in all of my relationships where an apology has become necessary. So I want to share some of those things with you today. 
going back to our picture of trench warfare, our arguments create distance between us. And maybe it's just a little at first and then becomes more and more. And often, if we do apologize, it's it's just an effort to throw up a white flag to say, look, I want to be done with this argument. So I'm sorry, can we move on? Can we just be done with this? We throw up the white flag. But in the words of the wise poet, Taylor Swift, band-aids don't fix bullet holes. You say sorry, just for show. If you live like that, you live with ghosts. And when we do that, when we say sorry just for show, when we say sorry just as a throwing up of the white flag, we we want to be done with the argument, we want to move on with life, we're wasting our time trying to put a band-aid on a huge wound, one that will probably resurface again. And whatever ground we've lost in the relationship, whatever distance has grown between us, that kind of apology might keep us from moving, moving further apart but it doesn't move us back together. And we're told in Matthew 18 and Matthew 5 that we're called to go to each other. We're called to go to the person who's hurt us. We're called to go to the person that we've hurt. The kind of apologizing we are called to is one of reconciliation, one that doesn't just end the argument, but that reunifies us, that reconciles us, that brings us back to connection and unity. So I want to give you just a few quick, helpful, memorable words to guide your apologies. We've developed this little acronym over the course of our marriage to help us with our apologizing. I hope it's helpful to you. The acronym is SEX. And no, it's not that kind of sex, though we have found that to be really helpful for reconciliation in the context of marriage. But this is the different kind of sex, S-E-C-S. And this is an acronym that will help guide you to healthy apologies that draw you closer to each other. So the S in this acronym stands for specific. And so this is where we need to get away from apologies that just say, I'm sorry, or something like, look, I'm sorry I screwed up. I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, things like that. No, what exactly did you do wrong and apologize for it? Whether it was big or small or something you said or something you did or a tone in your voice or a rolling of your eyes, apologize for the specific thing or things that you've done to hurt someone. The E in this acronym is excuse-free. Benjamin Franklin said, never ruin an apology with an excuse. And he was right. And this is an area where I really struggled. I think this was one of the weakest aspects of my apologies is I always felt the need to give some context for my apology. I mean, I never would have called it an excuse, of course, but I wanted to give some perspective. And and I really had good motivations for doing this. I, I didn't want my husband to think, well, I I just snap at you because I don't care about you. If I'd had a long day, I thought that was good perspective for him to have. But the reality is any excuse, it doesn't matter what it is, takes away from the apology. Whatever step forward you took by saying you're sorry, you might as well take that step right back with an excuse. And so we can't say things like, I'm sorry I did that. It's been a really long day. We can't say, I'm sorry I said that, but what you said just made me so mad. And we can't say, I'm sorry I failed you in that way, but I've just got a lot on my plate right now. Excuses don't ever help. And this has taken a lot 
of practice for me to hold my tongue in this part of the apology and just go apologize specifically for the thing that I did without any excuse is incredibly difficult, but it is like taming the beast. It is like taking our language to obedience school and getting the results that we actually want from our apology. The third step, the C in the acronym is contrast, stating the contrast between what we did and how we actually feel. So often we'll do something in an argument that communicates something horrible to the other person that hurts them in some way because of something we did or said. And I am, I've come to believe that this is perhaps the most important step in a good apology because we can be specific and we can leave an excuse out. But so often that just keeps us from making the divide greater, like we talked about earlier. But if we really want to take a step back toward the person, if we want to step back toward a healthy relationship, if we don't want to live with ghosts, like Taylor Swift says, if we don't want to have these shadows of relationships that used to be so wonderful and unified, and now they just seem distant and a little cold then this step is critically important because when we make mistakes in conversation, when we go to apologize, we have to take the long walk of empathy, see things from that person's perspective, and then communicate to them what we do really want or what we do really mean. And so if you realize once you've taken this long walk of empathy and looked at it from the other perspective and thought, wow, if someone said something like that to me, like I said to them, I would feel really disrespected. And so if you realize that something you said could have led to them feeling disrespected, tell them something specific that you respect about him or her. If when you take this long walk of empathy, you get a glimpse of how your actions could be perceived as being cold and uncaring, express to the other person how much you do actually care about him or her. And if you take that walk to the other side and you realize that that person feels you've become an enemy, that they perceive you to have malicious intent, that you want to harm them, that you want to make their life miserable, that you don't care about them at all, then it is critical to do this step to set the record straight. Tell them what your goals really are for the relationship. Communicate with them about the common ground that you both have and stop doing the things that are communicating those negative messages to the person you're in conflict with. And this is where an apology becomes truly great. This is where we can become experts at this. And this is where we can find reconciliation in our relationships when we step back toward each other. And the last step is to seek forgiveness. The S is to seek forgiveness. Put yourself at the other person's mercy and ask them for forgiveness because forgiveness heals. And the problem in our culture is that we have this culture of apologizing where if we do actually say we're sorry, so often our response is to just say, oh, it's okay. Thanks for saying that. It's okay. And the reality is it's not okay. We, we don't allow our children to say this to each other. We, we force them to forgive each other if they have hurt each other and if their sibling is apologizing to them. We ask them to forgive their sibling, not just to say it's okay or brush it off or move forward, but to offer forgiveness because it's not okay when we hurt each other. It's not. But forgiveness can be extended. 
So S-E-C-S, specific, excuse-free, contrasting statements, and then seeking forgiveness. Make for apologies that don't just put up the white flag and keep the distance from growing, but actually draw us closer in relationship. I was reminded in preparing for this episode of the Christmas truce of 1914 in World War I. And reading about it again, I was reminded just of, of the beautiful picture that was given this first Christmas in World War I, where soldiers, British and German, left their trenches, had a ceasefire, and in many parts of the battlefield came together in no man's land. They had joint burial ceremonies for lost soldiers. They exchanged prisoners Sometimes they even exchanged food and gifts, sang carols together. One instance even included both sides playing football together. It was a beautiful picture of sides stepping out of their trenches, going to each other and finding common ground. Now the sad thing, of course, is that the war continued for several more years, and in 1915, there were only a few rare instances of a Christmas truce taking place. And by 1916 and 1917, the war had grown so cold and so bitter that the Christmas truce was a distant memory and didn't take place any longer. And over 9 million military lives were lost in that war, and over 7 million civilian lives were lost. And the Christmas truce was just a brief glimpse of peace. Romans 12 calls us, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And what's so sad is that our relationships can so quickly turn into trench warfare, where we're cutting relationships off, where we're choosing silence or violence and having a distance grow between us that grows colder and more and more bitter and leaves us miserable, leaves our relationships empty. If it is possible, as far as it depends on us, we're called to live at peace with everyone. And that involves getting up out of our vantage point, taking the long walk of empathy to the other side, and then apologizing for what we can apologize for. And the reality is there are some relationships where it doesn't seem possible. If it is possible, though, as far as it depends on us, we are called to go to the other side. We're called to take the long walk of empathy. We are called to go, to go to them, to cross the divide, to not just settle for a ceasefire, to not just raise the white flag and then walk away from the relationship, but to go to them and seek reconciliation. And one of the best ways we can do that is by learning to apologize well. And the great news is that the reason Jesus calls us to this is because he is the king of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 18, reminds us that God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the word to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus crossed the battlefield. He had done nothing wrong. He lived a perfect life. He was fully innocent. And yet he took our punishment upon himself. He came, he took the long walk of empathy and died for us so that we could be reconciled to God. And when we reflect on the beauty of that gift, someone who had done nothing wrong, the son of God reconciled us to God so that that relationship could be restored for eternity. It puts in perspective the relationships in our lives that have gone so wrong, the relationships where we have bad blood. And Jesus is calling us to take the long walk of empathy, to learn, to reach out to the other side, to apologize well, and to experience restored relationship. Thank you so much for being here for this series. I hope that if there's a relationship in your life where you are experiencing bad blood, that your try it today would be to write down the acronym SECS and ask the question, how can I take the long walk of empathy to see things from their perspective and make an apology if an apology is needed? As always, for this series, there are discussion questions available on JessAlston.com. You can go to the listen page and click on the show notes and you'll find the link to the PDF there and you can discuss those with your spouse or your small group or you can reflect on them in your own time. I hope this series has been helpful to you. I know that it's been incredibly challenging for me. There's a lot of work that I need to do personally in all of these areas, but I hope that you'll join me in digging deep and trying to lay this aspect of our lives on the rock of Jesus, the the foundational communication that we have in our relationships, that we will lay it on Jesus and ask him to guide us as we learn to tame the beast. So thanks for being here for this series. We look forward to seeing you next week. 